and welcome to Secondhand Film Critics, your favorite source for mildly pretentious, semi-uneducated, and highly unqualified opinions on movies. I'm Kayla, and I'm here with my co-host, Noah. We're not talking about a movie today, though, so maybe highly unqualified opinions on season one shows, <laughs> shows of the, of the season one variety. Or we could just say Marvel shows, because those are the only, like, shows that we've talked about. So, highly unqualified opinions on movies and Marvel shows. <laughs> the two, our two specialties. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. we do have a special guest on, the specialist guest ever. Of them all. <laughs> <laughs> and that is our returning uh, dear friend, Peter who was actually on our other Marvel TV show episode. So he has been on our first ever covering a TV show, and now our second ever covering a TV show. And he is our resident Marvel expert himself. How you doing, Peter? Hey, good. Uh, wherever, Whatever time it is where you are, um, afternoon or morning, if you're listening to this um, at time of release, um, if you're listening to this in some post-apocalyptic um, wasteland where the only thing surviving from, you know, uh, society is podcast recordings, uh, I hope it's all right. Uh, going all right Man, for you. Man, that would suck. That would it really suck. would suck. All we had was podcasts. I'm sorry. It's like I can't, I can't find food and water on a regular basis. However, I do know how terrible movies are made. And... Um, <laughs> learned that I should have known more about the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis in high school. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, podcasts, they teach you so much. Um, Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, this was... I I don't remember what we said at the end of the WandaVision 1, but I remember we were pretty sure we weren't going to do Falcon and Winter Soldier as an episode. But I think we were pretty, at least, excited for Loki at the end of that because we knew those two were the ones coming out. And I was more confident we would do this as an episode. And I'm glad we did. We don't have to talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier a lot. But I would have much preferred to talk about this one than that one. And I mean, to be fair, uh, if there are people who should talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier critically, it is three white people on the internet. So, <laughs> right, you know, exactly. I, I, I missed opportunity for sure, but... <laughs> You know, we had to pass it by. Um, speaking of Marvel, did you see Black Widow? I did. I did see Black Widow. Wow. What did you uh, think? What did you think of it? I, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I thought it was really weird that the first third of the movie was directed by someone else. It seemed. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I don't really, you know, I've, I've talked about this a lot with other people who have seen it, and uh, it was just very strange how, like, the whole title sequence and. It was like they were going hello, in a very. Hello, oh hello, hello. <laughs> it's so out. funny to me because I think that would have flown in like 2012 Marvel when this right. movie oh, like yeah. originally like a Paramount Marvel era. come out. Like right. that would have been a fine song to choose for the title sequence. But at this post ironic in... era, it's like. <laughs> Yeah. Uh yeah, so that was a that was a big red flag for sure. And um I actually I had a good conversation with previous show guest Zach Faniff. Um Well. Yeah, about the film. 
and uh, he made a really good observation that this felt like the... Was it him I was talking to about it? I don't know. I'm giving him credit regardless. Um, this felt like a finale, or most of the movie felt like a finale to a trilogy that could have coincided with the Captain America movies. Yeah. You know, like it had that same mm -hmm. kind of energy, but it was like very clear in the first act. They were like, we need to put all of this stuff in together from these little pieces that uh, Jay, Jay Weeds had, had sort of filtered in, you know, this... Oh, she was somebody who wasn't somebody who was manufactured but wasn't, but she was a monster because she couldn't become pregnant and therefore had to have the single conflict she's faced throughout the whole movie. So now we have to create more for her. Um, thanks for creating only two dimensions here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and so credit where credit is due with the very small pieces they had from the Avengers movies that were very clearly not given a lot of thought uh, or much to do. They made a nice backstory, and I enough. And I think the connection between the four actors, all four of those actors in the the quote unquote family, um, Vin Diesel, The Rock, uh, Paul Walker. No, um, I thought all of you know Rachel Wise and and mm -hmm. David Harbour and and uh, Florence Flow Dog. Um, none none can mistake Flo Pew. That's probably the worst way anyone's ever said her name. Um, I thought, I thought Florence Pugh and, are you, are you all right? It's just a great, I think she should go into a career as a rapper now with that. Flo Pugh? With that, with that name. Yeah. She should change careers. I've always said this. I thought, I thought David Harbour and, and Florence Pugh literally stole the show. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They were my but favorite part of the, the whole movie. Right. And, and I think, I think Scarlett Johansson did fine. I think she did, you know. I think it was pretty cool. I, I liked she her did work. Scarlett in it. Johansson. Yeah, she's like that's what usually I feel like about her acting. I'm like, okay. right, definitely better. I think even than some of the other Avengers movies. Mm -hmm. But because yeah. she had more to do, because the writer was like, oh yeah, no, I have to, I get to make <laughs> this character do more than one thing. I heard, um, I've heard this from a couple of places, and then specifically on the after credits podcast, who we had on our High School Musical episode. I was listening to their episode on Black Widow and. It was interesting. They said like the name Black Widow was used to like get people in the seats, but then it was really about introducing Florence Pugh's character. Oh, absolutely. Um, so it was like kind of that thing where Black Widow was like used as the catalyst for the for the movie, but then the real story was her character and how she'll tie into future um, content from Marvel. Very much the energy, uh, same energy as like the first Ant-Man, where it's like, we need to introduce concepts and themes here. We're not really going to make it as important, these, you know, the, the some of the finer details of this character. But then you have Ant-Man and the Wasp, where things get to be a little more expansive, a little bit more fun in their own specific way. I don't know. I, I think it really, mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. It's just kind of, eh. yeah. It was an interesting first movie back for Marvel, but we'll have three more this year. So, you know, we got a lot more coming, baby. Capitalism. If there's um, one thing I like, it's content. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So what we are here, though, to talk about Loki. Kayla, you have a 
pretty intensive write-up here about the history behind Loki. So do you want to do you want to get into it's a brief, little history it's lesson? Brief. No, well, intensive isn't bad. It just looks like nice and very detailed, which I like. It's I mostly like copied from Wikipedia. Um, well, Wikipedia is copied from other places. So. That's true. If you're following along on the podcast, you can press the skip 15 button approximately... <laughs> 20 times if you already know everything there is to be know about the character. No, I am excited to uh, get some of these finer details. Yeah, so Tom Hiddleston knew about the series long before other people did uh, because he is one of the people in the MCU who can keep secrets uh, during press Damn. and Shots everything. fired. Um, but apparently he knew about it six weeks before Infinity War was released he knew that he was going to have a scene in Endgame, but he wasn't sure what it was going to be. And then, obviously, at that point, they didn't know that it was going to be following that specific, or starting with that specific scene from Endgame. Hmm. So, they confirmed the series officially in November of 2018, and then pulled in Michael Waldron, uh, the writer uh, who other people also co-wrote, obviously, uh, but he was kind of the first person that was pulled in on the project uh, in February 2019. And then Kate Heron, uh, the director of all six episodes of season one, was hired in August. And then they started filming in January of 2020. But unfortunately, uh, as with every other Marvel show that we has come out so far, it was delayed due to covid um, and then they resumed in September and wrapped in December. And then apparently the editing finished, I believe it was like June 20th. So by the time the show was already coming out, which I think was also the case for WandaVision. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Although I don't think it showed in this as much as it showed in WandaVision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's so interesting to be yeah. like, okay, this is, I can see where the editing kind of changed because- Especially with WandaVision, there was a lot of public reception to that. That was, I think that was like a huge, like we already talked about in that episode, cultural moment. And so it's like really hard, I would assume, to like have, like you see all the reactions. And you're like, all right, now I got to go edit the rest of the episodes and <laughs> try not to think about what people are going to think about them. Right. Now yeah, that we don't have tough. time for all this really high concept themed stuff, time to just mm -hmm. make some some content that's just what we can do right. and yeah. you know that everyone's like theorizing about these final episodes and you're like well They're like yeah trying to wipe the sweat away like oh boy <laughs> Dude, can we can we like superimpose dr strange in any of these images guys just right just in the background right yeah. well by the way we did we do a spoiler spoiler uh thing at the beginning i forget you know no, like 10 minutes but... ago We'll be spoiling. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. this will be a spoiler-heavy episode. Okay, great. Yeah. Now, I thought it was really interesting that they made you know Rachel Weisz's character in Black Widow, Mephisto, and that's something that uh, you know I think a lot of the fans really you know it's just all there. You know, all the clues are there at this point. Just like red communism red the devil you know this is really what disney's looking for and i, I think that's how we're going to get mephisto in the mcu um is finally it's going to be rachel weiss as this dynamic bo boastful villain um i think all the clues are there so so spoiler off for that moment for sure um 
I'm kidding. Uh, I was immediately started saying stuff like that in the theater when the movie ended and all the guys, all the all the other nerds in the audience were turning to their girlfriends going like, okay, so in the comics, this really happened. <laughs> and I say out loud to my friend who I went with, it's crazy how Hawkeye is Mephisto. Like, they're obviously setting up for that the whole time. Um, but uh, yeah, this one I feel like had a lot less pressure in that regard because people kind of already figured with time travel and Jonathan Majors already being cast in Quantumania. This was a lot less, I don't know. There were things within that of how they would get from point A to point B, but Mm. they definitely, there wasn't quite as much like, this is definitely going in this direction, which it didn't end up going in at all for this show, which I think they're probably very grateful on, on the editing side. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so this one is set. Uh, it's hard, like because obviously this show deals with time travel a lot. But from the beginning, at least you know it's set following the Avengers battle in the first movie in New York. Um, but then it's like after also Endgame because it has the branch where Loki steals the Tesseract and he creates a new timeline by by eating out of that place. Yeah, it's always in it's so interesting now that Marvel like there is multiple in every movie there's like it seems like there's at least two or three hints at the another thing that they're going to make. Um especially in Endgame. Um so that was one big one where you see Loki disappear and we're kind of just trained now like we assume okay, we're not going to know where that ends up in this movie, but we'll we'll figure it out probably in a couple of years, which is just such a new thing. But we've become accustomed, become accustomed to it in the last few years with Marvel um, that we're just going to see um, hints at movies throughout this movie that we're not going to really know what they what happens with them in a few years. Mm-hmm. So Waldron is also the writer of Multiverse of Madness, uh, which I think is helpful because they all tie together. Um, later Mm -hmm. when we talk about the future of the MCU, we can get more into that. Um, but with this series, he was especially excited to introduce chaos and fun. And his pitch was a big, crazy, fun time adventure. Um, so then Heron, uh, the director. I love Cyber Chase. She is a big fan of Loki and she prepared a 60 page document for her pitch to be the series director, uh, apparently thinking that that would prove that she knew the character, that she was ready for this, uh, Mm. and it worked. So she, uh, they really thought she had a complete vision and could turn it into something wholly unique. Kevin Feige, she's from London, uh, came and told her that she got the job. And within 48 hours, she had flown to New York, met Tom Hiddleston, and discussed the character with him, and then immediately went to D23 to announce that she was the director, basically. So Amazing. We love. Yeah, good for her. It's cool that they this one and Falcon Winter Soldier were directed by women, because I think people only point to, like, oh, it's only, Black Widow is the second one, and I'm not trying to, like make a cute like say like oh disney's they're great they're they're hiring four women to direct their stuff but i think people do overlook just in general directors of tv shows um oh yeah for and sure. i think it's cool that uh for the for two of the first three like big marvel shows they got women to like head 
the the entire production, which is cool. Well, and like this isn't even. I mean, the the shows aren't made by Marvel Television. They're made Mm -hmm. by actual Marvel Studios, like. And right. that the same people that are making the movies are making these shows. So really, these are just long movies, in my opinion, because they right. have the same exactly. budget. So it's like they should be included in all that. It's kind of interesting. I remember hearing around, I want to say probably Age of Ultron, if not a little before, some conversations happening around the movies about how the way that we're getting just so many single movies in this overarching story very much is reminiscent of like the 1930s and 40s serialized shorts that you would see Mm. you know your superman batman really early on in in superhero and just the genre uh, in general and so i think it's really neat now that they've even gone beyond that sort of they, they sort of expanded it to go beyond those those single shorts into full movies that would reach into this whole thing. And while they're continuing to do that, it's kind of neat as a fan of television history to see the same sort of thing being essent, where they're not totally TV episodes, but they're also not movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're a bit bigger in scale in terms of, like, special effects and some of the things they're able to do than your regular TV show. Um, and I think yeah, that's for sure. that's really cool to see that that full circle um, come into play. Yeah, there's nothing new, basically. It's well, just yeah, like the, same, <laughs> the same stuff. If it's gonna make money, yeah, which, which um, of course you know reflects yeah. the comic books. I mean, that that's what single issue comic books are. They're little pieces of the story, right? And then you know building onto each other, mm-hmm. which is neat. So there is gonna be a season two of this, which I'm very excited for because I think of the three shows, this is like the perfect one to have more than one season. And so that begun by November, 2020. So they already kind of had that set before this came out. Um, Waldron signed a deal to stay on, but uh, Heron will not direct the second season. So we don't know the director. Yeah. And Waldron's not writing it or anything like that. He's just like, Hmm. uh, he said in some capacity. So it sure. sounds it's kind like, of like Christopher Nolan with like Man of Steel, you know, his name's there. Yeah, from what I was reading, it sounds like he'll just essentially be a consultant to help keep everything. Hmm, that'll be interesting. Um, then. like properly together with the new movies right. and everything like that, since this essentially connects every mm-hmm. single movie in the MCU's next phase. Yeah, I hope they give it some kind of subtitle or some other title in season two, just because I feel like obviously it deals with Loki, but as this show became less and less about the one Loki that we're familiar with, it kind of felt like, I don't know, even if they call it like journey into mystery or something like Loki related, um, it, it just kind of felt like it was really going away from the, the character study that the show started off as. Yeah. Mm. And so I, I hope that they don't, which, you know, why would I hope that a major company would, you know, not profit off of a recognizable IP is beyond right. me. Yeah. But, you know, I kind of hope that they, that they sort of alter it a little bit. Um, but cause I was definitely expecting after one of these shows, some kind of Book of Boba Fett post-credits announcement for the next wave of Marvel shows. Um, mm. 
I just hope I just hope they separated a little bit, just for the mm-hmm. sake of I don't know. So we can log it on Letterboxd, um, right. and they don't take the first one off. That's really the the goal. Um, yeah, and so they they did say that this is going to be tremendously important and like lay the groundwork for the future of the MCU, which I definitely agree with, especially compared to the other two shows, which felt more like they were just kind of explaining, okay, this is what's happening with this character in this little part. And while they do have very important implications for their future appearances in shows, it felt like, well, I could probably see someone seeing Wanda in Doctor Strange um, and being like not having to see WandaVision and basically being able to fill in the pieces, you know, because it felt like a separate story. Like we have to kind of wrap up this part of her character. Um, but this really Loki, I'm, I mean, did feel like you have to see this if you want to understand basically anything moving forward multiverse related, especially cause time travel stuff can be just so, so out there and hard to grasp for some people who are more maybe casual sci-fi fans. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not regularly intaking content or used to content that is like paradoxes and, things being rewritten and time streams and multiverse stuff it isn't as easy to just sort of be like oh yeah i know why there's like 17 different versions of loki on screen right now um (laughs) you're just like i don't know it's it's something with the 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 dark knight version of him i don't know dark knight rises which one is deadpool you know and so (laughs) yeah i think i think this will be very important. I was surprised, honestly, when he first announced that before the show released, that this was going to be the most important. I don't know about you guys, but I was like, oh, hmm. I thought WandaVision would have been yeah, bigger. Yeah. Pleasantly surprised, I mean, I, for sure. I don't know if I even knew it was going to deal with multiverse. I mean, I'm not like, I'm, I watch these, but I don't really like keep up to date with all the information coming out as it comes. I'm kind of like, okay, cool, Loki show in June. I'll watch that when it comes out. So I don't I don't know if I like really knew fully how much it was going to reveal on but like I kind of figured it out as the show went on, like as sure. I um stuff got revealed and they started talking more about different. I mean, obviously, once you watch it, the TVA deals with the with multiverses and timelines. So once I saw that, I'm like, okay, so this is going to be probably setting up timeline stuff. But going in, like, when you just hear Loki, it's like, oh, it's probably just going to be about Loki, like, doing some stuff and having fun. Right. So, similarly, like, I don't, as it went on, I was like, okay, this is less about Loki and more about Loki, plural. Um, The idea, the concept (laughs) of Loki. The the idea of Loki, (laughs) just. I don't know how much changed you know, obviously, and how much they were trying to throw us off the scent. But I remember about probably right after Endgame when they had first announced. When they when did you say they first announced Loki at D23? Uh, yeah, that... at D23. The same when they announced all the other stuff. Right. 2019, right? Yeah, I think so. 2018? One of those two. 2019. Um, right, because okay. it was after uh, Endgame. I remember it being they were saying that this was going to be like Loki jumping throughout the timeline of the MCU. And so you'd see him like in the background of other movies. 
which is sort of why the the title font is a combination of all the different letters, all the different fonts of the different Marvel movies, of all the titles. Uh Um, Mm -hmm. And so that was, like, going to be a big thing. So I was a little disappointed we didn't get to see that specifically. That would have been fun. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I I thought what they did anyway was, like, it's not like we lost out that much. I think What If is going to do a little bit more in, in that vein. Mm-hmm. Fan servicey in that right area, yeah. Which that'll be fun too, you know. Right. Um. Yeah. Before we before we go, Kayla, do you want to give us an update on Marvel's um next first uh openly gay character? You know, like yes. they always have a new <laughs> a new first. Yes. Um. <laughs> their new first. At least they didn't call Loki the the first. But he's technically the first real canon bisexual mm-hmm. character. Like canon in the movie, not yeah, canon not in Yeah, not canon interview. as like... <laughs> they say it afterwards. The Russo brothers saying, I am so proud to have played the first opening gay character in right. the MCU. And it's like no-name guy. Um, yeah, Notorious so... turf J.K. Rowling. Yikes. <laughs> um... Waldron, I think it was Waldron that said this, um, but uh, Loki's sex in the series is denoted by the TVA as fluid, referencing the character's gender fluidity in the Marvel comics um, that had previously been speculated on for the MCU giving him shape-shifting ability. Um, So this is something that I heard a lot of talks about leading up to the show, being like, are they going to recognize that Loki is gender fluid? And then they kind of showed that uh, clip of them sitting with the female Loki. And <laughs> so everyone was like, oh my gosh, who is this? Is this him? Blah, blah, blah. Um, yes so and no. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad that they, you know, did something, kind of. Along yeah, those lines. they had one line. Good um, job, guys. But yeah, so Waldron said he was aware of how many people identify with Loki's gender fluidity. Like, I think Tom Hiddleston in general is kind of like, a, like people have adopted him as like a gay icon kind of thing. Interesting. Just because like he's, I don't know. I think people just identify with, like we've already talked about, people like take certain um, things and make it their own. Because especially Loki's very like, drama queen out I think, of place in a lot of stuff um you know really feeling like he doesn't have mm-hmm. people who claim him you know it's taken a lot of work for thor to be like hey no i do i do want you here i i mm. want you to be here i am not i do not care about everything the fact that you're this is not your you know blood family you know you are here yeah. with me right now i grew up with you and had fun with you as a kid this is you are my brother yeah. Um, and yeah. I think that is, and also, you know, Thor becoming sort of this unofficial bisexual icon, um, of course, tying into that theme of acceptance and, and Loki being an mm-hmm. outcast is, is really pertinent, but also, I mean, mythology, like the, the character has, it's, it's mythology is extremely based. If there's one thing I've always said, I mean, at the end of the day, like he turned into a goat to have sex with a goat. In Norse mythology, so like, he's gonna be wow. like fluid everywhere. <laughs> like, it's, it's, I don't know. I right, personally exactly. don't like to give them that much credit for it. Not Marvel anyway, because yeah. I feel right. like they haven't really talked about that. I just think like people have taken his like character and 
I think just made it into their own. I don't think oh, Marvel sure. has really done anything in their movies so far yeah, until this until to this really like where add to the that. The creators specifically said that they were like doing that with him. Um, and then right, right. obviously the line where he's technically now the first real canon bisexual or um, you know into other people uh, character, <laughs> into other uh, people. which is good. And I think that yeah. that is a very good thing to casually throw that in. Um, and for them to not be like, oh my gosh, pat ourselves on the back for this, because I didn't mm. see a whole lot of that. I do think, though, Loki is the easiest character for them to do this with. Oh, and yeah. And so that's why And I'm it was, like, like, the easiest line to say, too, because it's such a throwaway line. It's good. Like, what is it? Like, a little bit of both. I'm like, okay, I see, like, how it is, but also how, like, they're like, well, this can probably fly if people aren't really paying attention. Yeah, well, it was like, like Luca, you know? It's like, let's get as close as possible to saying it where those who understand, understand, and those mm. who reject it will be able to still consume it because they can say, oh, no, you're looking too deep into it, or, oh, no, that was just a joke. Yeah. It was whatever. So you're not really saying anything other than to the people. Mm. And, and, and that's not to undercut that it doesn't matter to yeah, right. you know queer people because obviously mm -hmm. that representation is very much needed in in media but um you know and and I'm I'm glad that you know for those of us who are a, a part of that community it's it's something you know I, even if mm -hmm. it's not everything or what it should be or what we think it could be hopefully step by step it will continue to permeate on a mm -hmm. bigger scale thor love and thunder is just all i'm holding out for that's like I, I, that's like the the golden calf like just stand out there you know i'm just waiting the gay that's the, one. the gay agenda thor love yes. and thunder <laughs> <laughs> thor lgbtq plus and thunder I could see Taika doing that, honestly. That would like, be so. That would be so iconic. Two Thors in a room, they might kiss. <laughs> like, two Lokis in a room. They. Uh, 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 we'll we'll get there. Um. All right. Cool. So we can take our ad break and then we'll jump right into our our thoughts on Loki. We're back with our official review on Loki. Noah, do you want to read the synopsis here? Sure. Also given to us by our, our good friends at Wikipedia. Thanks for the sponsor, guys. <clears throat> so, after stealing the Tesseract during the events of Avengers Endgame, an alternate version of Loki is brought to the mysterious Time Variance Authority, TVA, a bureaucratic organization that exists outside of time and space and monitors the timeline. They give Loki a choice, face being erased from existence due to being a time variant, or help fix the timeline and stop a greater threat. Dun dun dun. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. a pretty good synopsis because it kind of just goes to the first episode and nothing more, you know? You know, we don't really learn a too, like, all too much plot-wise until the sixth episode. Like, we don't really learn mm. more about what's going on. You know, there are a couple of, like, mini-developments of, like, okay, 
the Loki we're going after is Sylvie. Mm. This is mm-hmm. why Sylvie does what she does. But the rest is just like, we go here, then we go here, then we go here, and then at the very end, we'll get all the answers. All exposition, baby. Baby. The first show to have all the exposition in the final episode. All Um, of it. So before we get too deep into thoughts, we've we've given some, but do you want to just go around and kind of say our overall feeling on this show? You know, how we felt about it. Um, maybe at the beginning and then at the end. I don't know. Uh, Kayla, how about you? What did you think about this show? Yeah, so I didn't have time to watch it when it was coming out because I was just like really busy with work and stuff. So I binged mm-hmm. it all six episodes uh, this weekend. So oh, wow. I didn't have all the gaps of like, you know, that, dwelling yeah. on it, yeah. thinking about it. I did see some occasional, I actually surprisingly didn't see a ton of spoilers. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like, though, maybe there wasn't a lot to spoil in this one. Um, yeah, good point. Good like point. Peter said, we knew Jonathan Majors was cast later, so it's like, it's not like, you know, that was a super massive reveal, not anything like Agatha or stuff like that. Like it kind of gotta just say it was happened. a reveal for me. I didn't know, and I he, the door opened. I was like, Jonathan Majors, <laughs> wow, surprise, this is so fun. Um, and then right. like the alligator, whatever. Those are things I saw right. online, but really I didn't know anything about what was happening in the show. Hmm. Otherwise, so it was pretty easy to kind of sit through and watch. Um, all six episodes kind of felt like I was watching a very long movie. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was considerably better than both of the shows that have come out already. Mm-hmm. I think I probably because it wasn't like other Marvel content. So it's a lot easier for them to do more interesting things. Whereas like WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier, you kind of have to stick to the status quo and do MCU type things and battles and stuff like that. Uh, right. Whereas Loki has always been kind of a different character, so it's easier to sort of delve away from the Marvel brand of content. Like, it's still very Marvel, but, like, the specific, let's have a big battle and a big monster and a bad villain. Um, I mm. think that this worked uh, in their favor for the show. I think it also was a lot more interesting creatively like through the way they were able to shoot stuff the lighting they were able to use um and kind of do some more weird and quirky things with the multiverse um so those are kind of my overall general thoughts i liked the characters except sylvie i hated um wow i like sorry no i she i didn't hate her she was fine uh i just didn't particularly (laughs) like her compared to other characters in this show that I liked more. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, those are my yep. overall thoughts. I get it. Yeah. I, th- I feel very similarly. Um, I think, I mean, going into this, we already kind of talked about WandaVision where I think we all had the same feeling where the first like five episodes were really like had so much potential and the ending was not as good as we were hoping and then Falcon Winter Soldier, at least for me, was like 
the, a very mixed bag. Like there was some parts I really liked, some parts I really didn't. Um, and so it kind of at the end just came up feeling like eh. And for the so for this one though, I this is definitely my favorite of the three. I don't know if it ever quite reaches the heights of like the first few episodes of WandaVision, like where that was just like so much there was like so much expectation and anticipation after those so i don't know if it ever fully reached those heights for me but it was for sure the most consistent and had the best like um even though i didn't love the ending it had the best ending for me of the three so overall i really like this one i thought that it had a great cast of characters um i'm always going to show up for owen wilson so that's great. The first trailer came out and I was like, Owen Wilson in the MCU. Yes. Um, that was exciting. And I just, I really liked, like you said, the, the weirdness, I guess. Like it wasn't as weird. I think they were like really selling like, this is a really weird and like crazy show. Like, uh, I don't know if it was that weird. Like it was pretty straightforward. Um, but just comparatively to other Marvel stuff, like you said, I thought it was very creative. I loved the music, like the music in mm. the show was fantastic. How it combined like the, the synthesizers and the Nordic music and just all the different elements. I follow the composer now on, on Twitter. She's very cool. And she's posting. Yeah, a lot I thought of the cool, music like, was very good. Stuff. Yeah, it was fan. It was so good. I love the music. You just, um, you just feel yeah. like you get the world. Like it's just, you know, with the sort of out of place, out of time environment. Mm. You, 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 you know. I figure anyway. It's, it's with a cursory knowledge of you know orchestration and stuff. It's like, you know, how do you? You can't really fit it within just one thing. So the way that she blended everything was just like yeah I, I know exactly where we are no and i think like stranger thing this is like a tangent but stranger mm -hmm. things like started this trend of like oh yeah now we need to put synthesizers in every score <laughs> and we love like, the 80s that doesn't always work just to have synths um and i think you'll even see that in later stranger things seasons where it's like all right we need some new elements and i think this is like a right. great version of that where you use she uses the synthesizers as like an element but it blends very well with the more orchestration and pretty simple orchestration like it's not really like a big orchestra all the time because she's a violinist i'm i think mm. so it's like you sometimes just get these like violin solos or some very light orchestration i don't know it was very good the score and i think just it helped add to the element of different i guess that they were trying to go for where it's a bit different than maybe in a regular marvel score would be yeah i i agree i think that it definitely helped feel make you know con continue this sort of sense thematically of when you had that violin of sort of loki's singular feeling and tone of being on mm -hmm. his own just sort of going in and out of everything um, it really was, it was neat to, to sort of have that, that feeling of suspense. So Peter, what about you? Like comparatively to the other two shows too, like what were your like expectations? And then how did you kind of feel about the show after it ended? 
Sure. Well, I mean, I think I I was very excited because, you know, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan back in, you know, from back in college. I really loved, you know, a lot of the new Who up through Matt Smith. And then I had seen some of Peter Capaldi's stuff and enjoyed that. And so a lot of these uh, sci-fi concepts are like just real crack to me, like really like I'm in. If you start weaving threads about divergent timelines and worlds, uh, that is my that is my main thing. Like I love that um, alternate universes, all that sort of thing. I always loved it as a kid when there would be some kind of like ray that would turn all of the main characters into like babies or animals or like different versions of themselves uh, just for a single episode because I always thought that was really really neat. Um, and so I really liked at the beginning for the first couple episodes, it very much was this, well, as I said earlier, it felt like a character study of Loki. Um, mm-hmm. and I thought Tom Hiddleston was like eating up every single scene, just absolutely yeah. amazing. Um, I, I thought his performance was just like, he was feeling everything. And, and here's a guy, he's a, you know, obviously a world-class actor on stage and screen. He's done so much. And he, I don't know, like, it's very clear that he was able to jump in and out from, even though we had seen the character itself, and he as the actor had done more story-wise after the events of the Avengers, he was able to make all of that emotional development that happened between Ragnarok and um, right, yeah. Dark World and um, Infinity War, his moments there, he was able to speed that up for the sake of the story where you still saw every single moment of the emotions that he processed in those movies in the moments he was watching his life play out. Mm. Like, the character is so quick and I think understands things because he needs to be able to throw curveballs at other people that he really just captured this essence of like, oh, yeah. I got it. Yeah, I that see where this is going. That first episode was so good, I thought, in that way. And I thought it did a great job of setting up the rest because we got all of this emotional moment stuff. Not out of the way because that's like my favorite stuff. But for them, at least, it's like, okay, so we have that. And now we can maybe go a little more sci-fi, which was a risky move because you for risk, sure like alienating the audience with the first episode like oh this is all gonna be all this just character development we don't like this in our content um yeah i thought it was great he did a great job yeah i it was just so so nice to see that happening on screen and then owen wilson playing off of him what else better of a you know sort of character semi-character actor that owen wilson is to be like the guy who's just like, oh, okay, yeah, you're you're sort of stuck in this crazy world that you think you're so in charge of, but the world's a lot bigger and I need to be super condescending to you, um, which is just like so sweet that you see this character who's as big and boastful as Loki just really be brought down. And then, of course, the moment at the end of the first episode of the Infinity Stones being basically worthless, which is yeah. a great way to set up the next era of Marvel by saying there are bigger things than Thanos out there, which is very scary. I think that they really did a nice job of of hinting at the next sort of wave of things to be like, oh, no, no, no. They're going to, you know, just mm. setting expectations of 
there's going to be a new game that's being played here, right? Like, Thanos already was a huge threat because he was so, like, not only was he, like, strong and powerful and, like, could, like, punch your face in, but he was also smart. He knew when to do it. Like, he knew when you were going to make a mistake. And Kang is even more prescient than than that, you know? Um, but I think we talked about, you, you mentioned it, Noah, how even though it still wasn't a great ending, it was the best ending out of the three shows. I agree. Yeah. I think it tied together everything the best. Um, but that was really bizarre was that they just, I don't know what it is. They just haven't been able to really stick the landing on any of these shows. Mm, yeah. I think a lot of that is due to the fact that they can only give so much away without being like, but make sure you watch this because this is going to tell yeah, you something. Right. Yeah. Um, so you can't really contain the season arc so much within it and have a real beginning, middle and end. Cause that end has to be another puzzle piece in a show, in a movie, you know, mm. that being said, uh, I don't remember if it was Zach. I was talking to or someone else uh, who brought up the idea that it felt like episode five, as they were, you know, in the void, in the Nexus, where all the different Lokis, and you have that huge, awesome, really cool sequence where they're fighting against the, um, what's it called, Alagoth, or, um, I'm sure everybody's screaming at their phones, correcting me with continuity. The big, um, the big cloud dude. The big, uh, Fantastic Four Rise of Silver Surfer Galactus, uh, mid-2000s cloud villain. Really, I thought that was spectacular, but they mentioned that, um... It felt like that was a season finale. That, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And episode six should have been the start of season two. Yeah, because, like, you see them go off into the castle kind of thing. That's, like, the end thing. Yeah, and it definitely felt like the, compared to the season finale of WandaVision and fucking Winter Soldier, like, the big ending battle. Because there's an, an ending, there's a battle in the last episode, episode six, but that was, like, a big, like... CGI filled battle like right. the other two. So that felt more like a Marvel ending than episode six, which isn't like a bad thing, but no, episode I, six, I think like we said, was just a little bit. so much exposition. Like basically like make sure you watch Ant-Man right. and <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah. I, but you know, in general, I thought it was fun. I thought that Sylvie was a really interesting character. I thought that Renslayer was was interesting, but I wish we had more. It was very clear that they're like, here's somebody who you're going to have to wait for season two to really find out all the details of. Mm-hmm. Time to not give anything about her. Um, you know, I thought all the multiverse stuff was great. All of the Lokis, like that's that's the kind of thing I love to see is just absolute craziness where it's like, not only do you have like all of these Lokis appearing on screen, but also they're doing like lo- specific things to like their universe and like things that they act like you've got the boastful, Thor, uh, not Thor, the boastful Loki mm-hmm. being like, you know, backstabbing him. And then of course they're all backstabbing each other in the end. And it's like, right, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. what else are they going to do? And I think that's also interesting from a, a from a character narrative perspective because you have this sense of Loki being faced directly with given all of the probability of so many versions of himself nine times out of ten he's going to choose this one thing so it's up to him is he going to be the tenth person or is he going to be one of the nine Mm -hmm. Um, 
and so I think being faced with that is is a little bit, and certainly the other Lokis too sort of come to a smaller, you know, more of a microcosm version of that within their own stories. And then Sylvie ultimately decides to become one of the nine, right? Mm -hmm. She's the one who uses her trauma and her pain to fuel her revenge, regardless of the consequences. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, having that dichotomy is really interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. I do want to say a different friend brought up this theory to me, like halfway through the season, that Sylvie was possibly Loki, before we knew really who she was exactly, was Loki's daughter from a timeline where he ended up living and wasn't supposed to live. And so when they started like bringing in romantic tones, I was like very uncomfortable because I was <laughs> like, it might be the daughter. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, mm, I was reading this totally differently. Um, and I think that was pretty unnecessary. And also like, you're going to have the first openly queer character in a straight passing relationship. Not that that's invalid, certainly on either end, but I feel like if you're going to make a statement like that, like, come on guys. Yeah, the, the the romantic element didn't really seem necessary to the plot line. And I thought it would have been a... I actually think it might have been a stronger story if they weren't romantically involved. I agree. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I it, it, Yeah, it just it felt a little forced to me. Um, and Owen Wilson even brought up the thing where it's weird that it's like, really him? And it's like, that kind of... Right. <laughs> That kind of even makes it feel less impactful. Like, oh, it's not really someone else. He's falling. He's falling in love with himself. Kind of. Yeah, yeah because I weird. feel like even though romance can be sacrifice, like because you're doing something for someone else, it feels like romance is still a little selfish, especially when you're in love with yourself. So it felt like even if Loki was making a decision because he loved someone else it still felt like it could have been a selfish decision because he was like, I don't want to lose you. I want to be with you. I want to be together. Instead of being like more self-sacrifice. I thought what was really interesting about this was um, Richard E. Grant's Loki, the classic Loki, Mm. deciding to sacrifice himself for their journey. And Mm. I thought that was a very different version of Sacrifice. That made me emotional because I was like... Yeah, me too. I love that episode, man. Richard E. Grant dying will always make me emotional. I don't... (laughs) It just felt so... I mean, even though he kind of had this redemptive arc as well as, you know, our Tom Hiddleston Loki, I felt like it was so different in a way too because, like, he wasn't doing it because he was you know, in love with them or anything like that. He was just doing it because it was the right thing to do. And he was just He realized them. there was something bigger than himself. And I thought that was a very um, interesting aspect of a Loki character. Um, yeah. And, and showed a lot for Tom Hiddleston's Loki. But I still was like, eh, the romance thing could have done without. Yeah. It may have been, yeah. like you said, more impactful if it was just him um you know changing and realizing that there's other people he could care about um opposed to to being in love with i don't know mm-hmm. it was a little weird yeah and i think right. it will maybe make the season two kind of thing a little different because like the, it just changes the dynamic between the characters and i think 
the story should be less about their romance and more about like just him and her just as individual people i think yeah is better I don't know. Um, one thing that I really did like about the series, uh, my main thing I liked is kind of how it changed throughout this the show in a very fluid way. Like yeah. the, um, the objectives of the characters and just the what the show is about, really. Um, so you kind of have it starting as more like he's teaming up with the good guys to take down the bad guys. Um but then you find out that the bad guy is not the bad guy, and then the good guys are. The, I know, but it was like a very fluid transition between that. Right. It wasn't like one episode, like okay, we're switching objectives now. And I thought it was a really good. Um, if you want to like look for any like message in the in the show, I thought it was a good um representation of like a religious disillusionment or kind of message of that sort where you have the characters of well you have you have Loki and then you have Sylvie but then you have Owen Wilson's character Mobius as well on the inside um and kind of just seeing the organization that he was built and raised in um for what it really is i guess and like the question of can we use can we take this establishment and do use it for something good or do we need to tear it all down and kind of just start again you know i just thought that it raised some good questions in there and it was a good um representation of that i thought owen wilson's performance was good um and just how like just seeing the real how he came to the realization of that like everything he believed in was basically a lie was i don't know i thought that was just really interesting um and i really liked just the overall idea of how in the beginning it starts and you don't really think, I don't know if I thought the TVA was good, but I definitely didn't think they were going to be like the villains, you know? Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure how that would, that would roll out even necessarily. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know if like, I, I maybe thought it was a little weird, like, okay, so they're just condensing the timeline, but I didn't really think about the moral implications until they were kind of bringing them up. And I thought they brought them up in a really, um natural way where like you see the people that are affected by their the tva basically you see like mm -hmm. what they're doing and you're like oh this is kind of messed up i guess because they're like ruining these people's lives for like this one overall like message you know or this one right. story that this one guy deems is what is best for them and yeah i did like that a lot yeah me too i i thought that was that was neat and you know all things being said about the sixth episode i thought the way that they explained things was really interesting and that you know there there almost was this you know similarly to how there were certain pieces of thanos's argument in infinity war where it was like i feel like you're not saying the right way to do this thing but you are bringing up some valid points like there's yeah uh -huh. There's some things like, here like most good villains should. Yeah. Right. And and I love that there's this this sense of like, look, I'm the best you got. I don't, you mm -hmm. know, you know, the devil that you know sort of thing. Like this mm -hmm. idea that this is the best it could be. Uh from a from a comic book um lens, I recently reread um the Avengers series that led up to the 2015 Secret Wars event, which this is obviously spoilers for 
Um, if anybody planned to read Jonathan Hickman's run on the Avengers, which this is, I know, a very specific kind of spoiler. <laughs> um, long story short is the universe is dying. The multiverse is dying. Every Earth in the multiverse is having an incursion with another multiverse Earth. And the Avengers are going about it this one way. The Illuminati within the MC or the, the Marvel Comics universe are going about it a different way. But Doctor Doom is going about it his own way and discovers that he needs to kill this one character on every single Earth to prevent mm. the you know ultimate decay to save whatever they can of the multiverse. And so he decides to um he discovers that he on his own cannot possibly go through millions and millions and millions of worlds in order to stop this from happening. So what he discovers is he needs to form his own religion. And so basically he goes throughout these different dying worlds and collects acolytes who over the years, you know, start to serve his purpose um, and go out and start destroying worlds for him, destroying mm. this character for him so that he can expand this network out to the multiverse. Um, ultimately, cool. yeah. yeah, right. So it's a super interesting concept, this idea that, you know, a purpose, a specific like physical, even sort of metaphysical purpose can be can come about through the organization that religion and belief provides for. And so the TVA, you know, they were able to capture a very similar sense of like, look, Kang needs all this, uh, you know, Amortis, he who remains, whatever you want to call him. Um, Jonathan, um, Jonathan Majors, he needs to <laughs> just him as the actor uh, at the end He's of the, the world. Yeah. Right. Um, he needs to instill these things in these variants that, over time, they will completely abandon all of these other things. You know, who's to say who the first variants were that he took, what kind of mind wipe he did. Um, yeah. But there's this sense of, like, they're serving his self-preservation. And so all of that being tied together, I think, is just so fascinating and really a neat way to have those bigger themes of disillusionment, deconstruction, um, Yep. While providing a sense, while mirroring Loki's journey of am I who other people say I am or am I who I say I am? And also how much how much am I bound by the choices that I make? And, and, and I don't know. It was just very overall very cool to see all those things tie together. Yeah, great. I think people talk about WandaVision's themes a lot. Mm -hmm. um like how they were very deep and i think there were but like i thought that you know grief is not a new concept to to superhero uh content sure. and so i thought this was a little something a little different that i hadn't seen at least in a in a in a movie or show from them um and i did i really liked it i thought it was a really cool theme somebody superimposed um Uncle Ben from Spider-Man's face, speaking of grief in superheroes movies, onto the moment where Loki's like, am I dead? And he looks up at all the other Lokis. But instead of all the other Lokis, it's like Ma or uh, Pa Kent from Superman, Batman's parents, other Uncle Ben's. And they're like, yes. Uh, all the people that have died in superhero movies. Right. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, we love we love sad, sad boy hours. And I think that this does deal with grief, too, in a different way, um, because he 
obviously in the very first episode realizes that his mother is going to die. And so a lot of his decision making is even fueled by that and then grieving because of his own choices and then grieving himself in seeing that he's going to die and being confronted with his imminent death and, and watching that. I think it's just a really interesting different perspective on grief as well. Mm-hmm. as like including all these other themes that are very complicated themes um and can say a lot in what they're doing mm-hmm. um i don't have like a lot even more to say about this i think it's just a very a fun show i thought it was nice and colorful which is something that marvel i think is moving more towards after all of like i there was like remember those two years where people kept making video essays about how marvel like doesn't have any colors or something. Um, and so, <laughs> well, and I that thought, was uh... all people said. I like, I am will be the first to criticize things that Marvel does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also will engage in Marvel content and get involved in it. But like when the Eternals trailer came out. All I freaking saw all day long on Twitter was like, oh, and they said the cinematography was going to be so interesting and it's so dull and it's not colorful. And I was like, who? Colors don't why mean are we doing this again? Like, why it's are so we having know. this same conversation over and over and over and over? I'm so and tired not to of say, it. Right. Not to say that there shouldn't be more like quote unquote film you know, I, I italicized film things in these kinds of movies. But, like, you do have to have a certain expectation of what this is going to be after 12 mm. years. Or 13 years, you know? Y- yeah. I yeah. Don't know. And, I mean, we have, like, the Guardians movies. We have just, I mean, so many of the trailers that, we, that you see, I mean... How many times is the theater going to show like that five minute Marvel trailer of everything coming out there? Oh my gosh. So, but you see all those and it's like, oh, these are very colorful, very sci-fi. So I don't know why it's an issue that some movies should have a different, more natural looking color scheme than others. It's it's a comic book movie. Like, like yeah. literally every comic book looked the same for like 50 years, even if they do look similar in some ways. There will be diversity within that. Mm-hmm. It's gonna yeah. happen. Relax. <laughs> well, also, yeah. like they don't say anything. Like you know, they're w- when stuff like that comes out, they're like, "Oh, this again." But it's like, did you watch Loki? Like, did you watch? You know, WandaVision did create right. things. Thor Ragnarok. Like, if you watch everything, which I mean, not saying you have to, but just like if you're gonna I, I've criticize it, everything. If you're gonna criticize Marvel for always looking the same then you probably should have a good idea of what everything looks like because i think right like you said i'll be the first to criticize marvel but i think definitely in the past five or so years after that um civil war like airplane fight scene um they've done a good (laughs) job of making (laughs) their movies look at like different from at least different from each other and in their own kind of world if you want to say like cinematic universe not marvel cinematic universe but more like film cinema i don't know i just think right. that no, I they've it. done a better job in the in, at the end of phase three and then in phase four now of making their movies look different from each other and creatively interesting and and i think you know again mirroring the history of the books 
a lot of where the changes started coming in in the late 60s, early 70s to sort of how the standard uh, comic book looked, once you get that mid-60s Jack Kirby cosmic starting to go, Silver Surfer, uh, you know, developing into the more 70s crazy Starlin, Ron Martz, um, everything, they, they sort of differentiated between terrestrial Marvel and cosmic Marvel. And I think the first Guardians really started the, off that trend in the movies where, you know, which then started to extend to the Thor universe. So not only were you getting the Nordic stuff, but you get the Thor, the Nordic and the cosmic. And then the cosmic starts reflecting some of the terrestrial stuff. And the terrestrial stuff has its own feel. And now I think we're going to even have this multiverse where we're going to have even more just like craziness visually. Right. Um, which is which, exciting. I yeah. love crazy visual stuff. With big fan of colors. Yes. <laughs> wow. Let's talk about the future of MCU then before we wrap up. Hmm. Um, obviously, this will lead into a lot of future movies. Um, they collaborated with a lot of the people, uh, the writer of Quantumania, which comes out in 2023, obviously mm -hmm. connecting with, um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness as it's the same writer and, um, connecting with that. And this will lead directly into that first and then also into Quantumania. And they did a lot, um, uh, connecting, talking with people of the other movies and stuff, other shows as well. Um, so, and then obviously we'll see Kang the Conqueror again in, mm. um, Let's go. Quantumania and love. stuff like that. So it's like, what do we think going forward? Going forward, like, are we excited? Yeah, like looking forward to um, the other movies, like what are your thoughts? Do you have theories or, you know, what are you thinking? What are you most looking forward to? I made an investment personally um, in this official, I'm showing up in the camera, which of course, great thing, this is an audio medium, the Kang the Conqueror official Marvel Legends figure. Nice. Um, I thought to myself, this baby is going to disappear as soon as uh, he appears in Loki. Uh, so literally, I think it was like after episode four or five, I went out and found this at my local comic shop. So I'm like, hey man. I'm very excited because if if the, if the character does well, this baby's just going to be you know yeah. millions. That's of That's like dollars. a beanie baby, basically. Essentially, like, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the future of the MCU is like a beanie baby. Um, I've always said this. <clears throat> Great metaphor. <laughs> it's uh, it's soft uh, yeah. on the outside, filled with spider eggs. Uh, but no, for real, it's it's I think exciting to look forward to things that could be on a similar scale of the first ten years. I'm a little nervous that the whole multiverse time travel thing is a very easy way to justify weird retconny things that they either A, don't like, or B, realize aren't mm. selling as well. Mm. Um, yeah, that's interesting. So I'm a little nervous about that, but all things considered, um, I think it'll do more for the storytelling at this point than than, you know, not. Yeah, yeah. I've got a, a few thoughts. Like, personally, I'm very excited. I think that all the phases have pretty much gotten better, like, as they've gone. Like, I think each phase has been better than the last one. And I think if these movies end up being good, I think that this could probably be my favorite phase so far. Um, yeah. I really like how 
they're using the multiverse stuff, like kind of like we've already said, to spice up the visual storytelling to make the movies a little more creatively interesting um, rather than just like look the same and all follow the same one story. Um, I like how the TV shows are adding a little bit more depth. The only thing that I am wondering, maybe not worried about because like I don't spend my time worrying about the the financial stability of Disney. Speak um, for yourself. As a as a Disney Plus <laughs> subscriber, I am anxious that not enough content will be added in the next fiscal year. Um, I just am wondering how this will affect this all like the the wildness of the multiverse and just the differences in stories and how everything is going to be a little more out there. I'm wondering how like more mainstream audiences will react to to it because i know obviously like the comic book fans are going to be into it because this is like what comic books are um but uh obviously the the majority of the people giving marvel money are the mainstream audiences yeah and i watched this i watched all three shows with my my family and then also some of my friends our neighbors we watched some of them and they are much more just like mainstream consumers, which is like what most people are of Marvel content. And I, they are, they said that they feel like a lot of this multiverse stuff is just too complicated, which I totally mm. understand. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm just wondering how both that and then also the fact that you kind of need to watch multiple. Like there's gonna be five different Marvel shows this year, and you need to watch basically all the Marvel shows and four movies. So basically, five shows, four movies this year to understand what's happening in this big, crazy multiverse Marvel land. And I'm just just wondering like how if that will be financially like profitable because I know that there's not much more they can go after the Infinity Saga to make it bigger without going multiverse, but it will be interesting to see if people kind of decide to fall off just because it gets too, too much, you know? And they're like, I just want to watch fast and furious 15 and see some cool car chases. I don't want to have Jonathan major sit there for 40 minutes and explain to me why he created the multiverse. Um, Speak for yourself. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I I'm right, all for sure. that, but it will, I'm just interested for the future of MCU yeah. just in pop culture, I guess. Like, if it will continue to be this big pop culture thing. And right now, keeping track of two essentially different storylines. So you have the whole multiverse track that's going to lead into, you know, Ant-Man and... Uh, Doctor Strange and WandaVision and whatever. And then you have this other track that was created by Falcon and Winter Soldier where, you know, Florence Pugh will be in that one and whether or not those will cross over. But it's like two different things Mm -hmm. in Phase 4 you have to keep track of now is you have the stuff that's going to come up in one and the stuff that's going to happen in the other. Right. Will they cross right. over? I don't know. And you already have people asking, like, in Phase 3 and even with Black Widow, like, so where does this movie take place in the timeline? And so right. now you have to say, which timeline does this take place in? And where does it take place in that timeline? And so there's I feel like we won't get much pre-Endgame at this point, though, hopefully. Yeah. I think hopefully. the I reaction like to Black Widow, I think, 
will will probably put that to bed just because people are like, right. why are we going back right now? We're already like into multiverse stuff, which maybe is good for the future because people are kind of done with the the Infinity Saga story. So I don't know. Right. I don't know. One interesting theory someone had was that the TVA is in, I was just thinking of this when you mentioned Quantumania, the, that the TVA is in the quantum realm um, because yes, some people saw that. like a sort of small city when Ant-Man goes into it to save the wasp in Ant-Man and the Wasp, like sort of off in the distance along some blob thing. And so I think things like that will be really satisfying to see. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, one thing to be optimistic about is that Loki had the highest first episode watch uh, really? of all three shows. That's yeah. crazy. Because I feel like, I to me, WandaVision, I felt like, maybe just was like in the bubble I'm in, but that was like such a huge thing. That was an and event, for sure. And then with Falcon sure. and Winter Soldier and Loki, I feel like there was really not anyone talking about them. Because I remember we were saying in the WandaVision episode how hard it was to stay away from spoilers, even if you didn't right. watch it, like, maybe you watched it the next day. Um, but with Loki, there was a few episodes where I watched them like four or five days after they came out just because of my schedule and how it worked. And I didn't really get anything spoiled for me. So nice. is, maybe people are just getting better at keeping their spoilers under control. I, I saw a few. That's I, nice. There was one morning, the morning after the fifth episode, I believe it was, maybe it was the sixth. I saw the alligator. I got on <laughs> I was so mad Twitter that got at like for me. 8 a.m. and I saw tweets already and i was like bruh it's not even like oh the morning hasn't even started sorry well, that wasn't spoiled for me the thanos copter was spoiled for me and i was really mad because that oh. is one of my favorite things in in marvel history is the thanos copter yeah mm. even if it was just an easter egg it released on a wednesday was an interesting choice because i think weren't they're doing bad batch on fridays at least they were so I guess maybe they were like, we don't want to cut into the Bad Batch audience, but I don't know if the Bad Batch <laughs> audience and the Loki audience well, are Well, yeah, really because the other shows releasing on Fridays were all, like, kids' shows. Bad Batch and High School Musical, I and think, And like, Mysterious Benedict Society and right. the Mighty Benedict Ducks Cumberbatch. and um, Big Shot were all releasing yeah. Fridays. Well, it's so. like, maybe do one of those on Wednesday. I just feel like it was a weird release date that some people... I think maybe that might have had less people talking about it too, because it's like maybe some people yeah. can watch the I still want them to do a release time on an evening, like seven. That would be PM. so good, like a seven That's p.m. Still release time. That's still what I time. want. Is that like, would actually be really neat. Is so that everyone was watching at the same time, like a premiere, a YouTube like premiere, a real TV show, is what I'm right. thinking, not a YouTube yeah. premiere, but, but like. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you know what I mean? Because then it's, like, Absolutely. an actual TV show. And then people are prepared to be, like, oh, Loki airs at 7. I'm not going to get on Twitter tonight. Right. Because people can't wait till 12 a.m. That's not, like, a thing. It's not practical. I think it just. 3 a.m. on the East Coast. I would be yeah. so interested to see them do something like that with one of their shows. Yeah. I think that would even make hype better because it's, like. You know, you know when it's coming out. Everyone's got their popcorn, and mm -hmm. you can have like, like people will live know, tweet everyone it. Everyone knows. All right, seven p.m. on Fridays. The friends come over. The vaccinated friends come over. Of course, um, of course. 
Yeah. yeah, I think um, I'm I'm excited for a lot of the future movies and shows. Obviously, I will consume all the content that they give to me. Because we are um, mindless consumers, baby. <laughs> I'm wow. very weirdly excited for Ant-Man Quantumania, which is funny because ah. I didn't really like Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, and it's yeah. been so long since I've seen Ant-Man. But that's coming <laughs> out like three days after my birthday. And I'm planning on doing, like, so a birthday weekend with me and, you know, wow. whoever I'm friends with at the time. Um, <laughs> Thank you for not making years. promises. I appreciate that. You never know. A year and a half you from now, know. who knows? Um, yeah. It starts right now. I do think, yeah, it's interesting because now, like, if even if a movie's called Ant-Man or Doctor Strange, it doesn't really mean it's going to be about Ant-Man or Doctor Strange. It just means, right. like, they're going to be in it. But well, Captain yeah. America: Civil War was not actually a Captain America movie, so. right? Well, exactly. Yeah. Uh, this I don't know. This is kind of spoilery for Spider-Man: No Way Home. I don't know. Do we want to go ahead? Like, I've seen almost, a lot of. It's okay. Fine. Almost officially, um, there is an officially branded Lego set that's been I saw that. shown off. Yep. That shows Spider-Man and MJ in the uh, sanctum, the the uh, Doctor Strange's sanctum, uh, with Wong and Doctor Strange uh, for exciting. in Spider-Man. Yeah, so that's exciting. But yeah, like, I literally that's the thing. can't wait for Spider-Man. Listen, I love me too. it's so crazy because the things that I've seen, I've had spoiled for me, were never like people. The, like spoiling things, it was literally toys. Like, I right. before, toys. What are they doing? Before Captain America's um suit was revealed in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I saw on TikTok someone posted a Christmas ornament that was released in a catalog uh, of yep. Sam in the Captain America suit, and they didn't like Man. spoiler tag it on TikTok, and I was so furious. An ornament because I was like, spoiled of it for all you. the things to spoil. I mean, like I know it was like the com- comics, but like we didn't know it was gonna be like we didn't the know, comics. right? We didn't know. I saw a a picture of a of the Iron Man power gauntlet with the Infinity Stones in it before Endgame. Oh, and I man. was so mad about it. That yeah, is like a and huge spoiler. I, when I saw right. the Lego set um, get leaked, I was like, oh, it's the same thing. It's it these freaking little is, things that they don't think about doing? that yeah, kind right. of like pop up. Like they're not thinking, oh, someone's going to read this Christmas yep. ornament Hallmark catalog in March and see <laughs> the ornament, you know, like right. they're not thinking about those. But yeah, yeah I do think. I mean, there's been lots of rumors about a multiverse in No Way Home, and so I think all this kind of slightly yeah. confirms uh, the possibility, or the real possibility, of a multiverse in No Way Home. Mm. Yep, yep. Well, we got two more shows coming this this year. We got What If in August, and then Hawkeye later this year. Um, so, lots more Marvel coming, and three more movies, so get ready. So gear yourself up, Peter, to be on. Clear your schedule. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I don't gosh. know. Is what if supposed to connect to Marvel? I'm so confused I, on that. I don't think it necessarily will have a lot of, uh, you know, real, real like story, you know, continuity changes or anything or alterations. 
I think they, I was talking to a friend about this the other day too. No original thoughts today, just conversations with other people. <laughs> just conversations with friends. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously just Zach fan of, um, <laughs> I they they were saying they think they're gonna pepper in some things here and there of like maybe little clues as to where things could head in the movies, but I don't think you know the, in the books the what if series is primarily a fun let's just play with these characters yeah. in this world, uh, and so I really do think that that's primarily what it's gonna be of the show is just like. Mm. I think it's just cool, you know, this is going to be, they've already announced the final voice performance of Chadwick Boseman, which I think yeah, is going to be... That's going to be huge. Right. That's going to bring a lot of people in just on that. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think that'll be a lot of fun, if anything. Just just fun. Yeah. And Hawkeye, I'm, I'm excited for Hawkeye because it's not really about Hawkeye. It's about Haley Steinfeld as Hawkeye. So, you Somebody's know. saying they think that's going to be his daughter, which I'd be really mad if it is. She's Kate like, Bishop. I remember that day on the farm when they all came and everyone's right. favorite seed in Avengers Ultron. Kate yeah. Bishop is such an interesting character on her own. And they could, and I felt very much this way with, with Taskmaster and Black Widow. It's like, it's not necessarily that it's bad. You did something different or I need things to be exactly the way they are in the comics. I just think you already have so much. Why not use it hmm. instead mm-hmm. of making something bad <laughs> yeah. instead of making like something mediocre studios think they always have to like make people i mean we saw it with star wars they have to make like characters be like related to each other to right. make us care about them where it's like no we don't need everyone to be like related in some weird way um but i'm excited for ray, for those... <laughs> ray. looks over sees vin diesel god ray family ray family <laughs> make ray that diesel. a meme please <laughs> oh my gosh um cool cool so those are our thoughts on loki and then also just the future of the mcu in general um i'm excited just to see the new stuff and then see what happens in season two of loki maybe we'll come back talk about that when that comes out um yeah. peter i know you've been on a couple episodes but do you want to just plug anything uh, in case people haven't listened to those or just need a refresher on what you do Sure. I would love that. Thank you. Um, you can go ahead and follow me at Peter Kohanic on Twitter. That's uh, P-E-T-E-R-K-O-C-H-A-N-E-K uh, and at the real Peter Kohanic on Instagram. Um, also, obviously, listen to the previous episodes, Marvel episodes I've appeared on this show. Uh, and also look out for um, friend of the show, Zach Smith Michaels uh, podcast, Godfellas. I'll be appearing on their Bible Man episode in just a couple weeks from this release. Uh, but yeah, as a semi-professional podcast guest, make sure to look for my various other appearances uh, and follow that on my Twitter page. Wow. Cool. Always uh, the amazing. guest. You can follow us on um, our social medias as well. Just search Secondhand Film Critics on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and you will find us. We post uh, kind of sometimes. Um, you can also email us if you have thoughts on Loki. Just email us at secondhandfilmcritics at gmail.com and maybe we'll read your comments in the next the next episode. Tune in next week on Tuesday at 10 a.m. for yeah, our next episode. For our next episode. The Quiet um, Place Part 3 Predictions episode. <laughs> oh my gosh. Are they going to talk? We'll find out. How quiet will it be? Until next time, I'm Kayla. And I'm Noah. And I'm Peter. And, and we're, we're, we're the second your second-hand 
film critics. critics.